السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد کریم اما بعد فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسرلی عمری وحل العطم السانی یقہ قولی ربنا زدنا علما سو ان شاء اللہ ٹوڈے وی ول ڈو ابواب صلاحت الجماعہ فرام باب نمبر meaning straightening the rows عند الاقامة at the time of اقامة وبعدها and also after it. We learned earlier that the muaddin he gives the adhan after taking permission from the imam. And when he sees that the imam is ready to lead the people in prayer, then he will give the اقامة. And when he will give the اقامة, then what will happen? تسويت الصفوف People should get up in order to straighten their rows in order to form the rows and also straighten them. But Imam Bukhari says over here, عِنْدَ الْإِقَامَةِ وَبَعْدَهَا And also after the iqama. Meaning, once the iqama is complete, if the rows are not formed properly, still people are going to form the rows properly. And the jama'ah should not begin until the rows are formed properly. Now the question is, what is meant by تَسْوِيَةُ الصُّفُوفِ تَسْوِيَةُ الصُّفُوفِ is from تَسْوِيَةُ, right? To straighten. So, number one form and secondly straighten the rows and this comprises multiple things such as people should be standing parallel to one another so it should be a straight line there should be no gaps in the middle the row should be complete meaning the row in front should be complete before the next row is formed and inshallah these details we will come across them in the next few abwab now when the people form the rows when the iqama is pronounced and the imam comes in order to lead the people in prayer what should he do he should also make sure that the rows are formed and he will do taswiyat al-sufuf in two ways through qawl and also through fa'il if necessary through qawl through his words what does that mean that when the imam comes and he sees that the rows are not straight he will say something such as sawu sufufakum istawu or anything that is similar to that, meaning straighten your rows, stand straight, or something to that effect. But it is not necessary for him to say this every time, in the sense that if the rows are already straight, he doesn't need to say that. It's not a formality, meaning it's not a requirement of prayer. It is only when there is a need, then these words should be pronounced. Which is why you may come across some places where the Jumara Uh, you know, is about to begin and the imam doesn't say anything. Right? And people object to that sometimes. That how come he's not saying that? Because it is not necessary. It is only necessary to say it when the rows are not straight. Alright? When the rows are not straight, it is then important for the imam to say it. And remember that these words, these kalimat, are not words that are muta'abbad biha, meaning part of worship. Okay? Like for example, when a person is performing the salah, Allahu Akbar, saying Allahu Akbar, that is a part of ibadah. But for the imam to say, Istawu, sawu sufufakum, that is not part of ibadah. Okay? It is just said when there is a need. Alright? Secondly, it is through fa'il, meaning through action. What does that mean? That the imam will, uh, with his hands, join and straighten the rows if there is a need. And the Prophet ﷺ, he would do that in fact by joining the shoulders of the people and also moving the people back a little if their chests were you know, staking out. So he would move them back a little in order to make sure that the row was straight. So, taswiyat al-sufuf is 
an important part of Salatul Jama'ah. In fact, it is wajib as we will learn. And the people must form the row straight when the iqamah is pronounced. And if they haven't done so, then the imam should make sure that the rows are straight. And he will use his words as well as actions in order to enforce this. حدثنا أبو الوليد هشام بن عبد الملك قال حدثنا شعبة قال أخبرني عمرو بن مرة قال سمعت سالم بن أبي الجعدي قال سمعت النعمان بن بشير يقول قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said لا تستون صفوفكم لا تستون you must definitely surely straighten your صفوف your rows make them straight أو or لَيُخَالِفَنَّ اللَّهُ Allah will cause khilaf بَيْنَ وُجُوهِكُمْ Between your faces. Now, there is a longer version of this hadith also, which is reported both in Bukhari and Muslim, in which Nu'man ibn Bashir, the same narrator, he said that the Prophet ﷺ used to straighten our rows as if he was straightening arrows. Okay, meaning to make the arrow you know, people would align it and make sure that it is straight because if it's not straight and it would be shot, it wouldn't go straight. Rather, it would go sideways. So the Prophet ﷺ would pay a lot of attention to this. Just as a lot of attention is paid to straightening the arrows, similarly, he would make sure that the rows are straight. And he said that until he saw that we had learned it, meaning when he saw that the companions, they were getting pretty good at it, then he wouldn't spend too much time in straightening the rows. However, at the beginning, he would emphasize this a lot. And this is something very natural. At the beginning, when people are being trained, then something has to be enforced over and over again, reminded. But once people develop the habit, then it doesn't really have to be done all the time. But then he came out one day, and he was about to say the takbir, when he noticed a man whose chest was sticking out from the row. And what does that mean? That it was not straight. So the Prophet ﷺ said, O slaves of Allah, make your rows straight or Allah will cause discord among you. And this is a severe warning. This is a threat. A warning for who? For those who do not straighten the rows. And remember that if there is a threat, a warning for something, then what does that mean? It is forbidden. It is haram. So this shows that not paying attention to straightening the rows is something that is forbidden which means that the exact opposite is wajib. What is wajib? Straightening the rows is wajib. It is not just a sunnah. It is not just something mustahab. What is it? It is wajib. It is mandatory to straighten the rows. And notice the warning that has been given. لَيُخَالِفَنَّ اللَّهُ بَيْنَ وُجُوهِكُمْ And this has been narrated in different, different ways. What does it mean by this? Baina wujuhikum. That baina kulubikum. That, you know, when people are not facing each other and they're turning away from one another, what does that mean? That their hearts are not together. Instead of love and friendship, there is enmity. So this is marnawi punishment. Intangible form of punishment, which is discord, uh, enmity, differences, disunity. And others have said that what it means is that literally your faces would be turned around. Literally your faces would be turned around. Meaning as a punishment, hissi. As a physical punishment, the face will be turned around. Meaning your faces will be altered. So whether it is uh, hissi punishment or marnawi punishment, there is a big warning, a big threat. And this shows that this matter is very, very serious. Straightening the rows.
And we see from the way of the Prophet ﷺ how at the beginning he enforced it. And he would pay a lot of attention to it. And at, and in the later time when people learned, then he wouldn't emphasize too much because people already knew how to straighten the rows. حدثنا أبو معمر قال حدثنا عبد الوارث عن عبد العزيز عن أنس أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أقيم الصفوف أقيم الصفوف straighten the rows establish the rows meaning meaning form them properly just as إقامة الصلاة what does that mean to perform the salah properly so likewise أقيم الصفوف form them properly فإني أراكم خلف ظهري for indeed I can see you behind my back meaning I see you, behind my back, that your rows are not straight. So fill in the gaps and stand together in a straight line. Now this was a special characteristic of the Prophet ﷺ that we learned about earlier in Bukhari also, that where he was able to see people behind him. And this was ru'ya haqiqiyah, meaning he actually saw. How? Allahu a'lam. Now we see over here that the Prophet ﷺ, before the salah, he would say something like, aqimu sufuf And from other narrations we also learn he would say, istawu wala takhtalifu. فَتَخْتَلِفَ قُلُوبَكُمْ Right? Or فَتَخْتَلِفَ قُلُوبَكُمْ So he would remind the people. Now the question is that can more words or reminders be added? Like for example, the imam says, straighten your rows. Can he also say, and perform your salah with a lot of khushur? Pay attention and focus. Can he say such things? Or let's say, there is a big problem in a particular masjid where people don't turn their cell phones off. And during the salah, the cell phones are going... You know, they're ringing. So, can the imam remind people? Hmm? Can he remind them? Now remember that if there is a sabab, if there is a reason, like for example, the cell phone issue, or for instance, people have a habit of just coming into the masjid and forming their rows right in front of the door. And the other side of the masjid is empty. And there are people who are forming their rows in the hallways. So can the imam make such an announcement, a reminder like that? Yes, he can. Why? Because there is a sabab, there is a reason. There is a need. Exactly. This is also a need to straighten the rows. However, saying things like, and perform your salah with khushur, and remember Allah much, this is something that's not allowed. Why? Because uh, people will think this is part of the sunnah. And it, it will turn into an innovation. باب إقبال الإمام على الناس عند تسوية الصفوف إقبال الإمام إقبال is the opposite of إدبار إدبار is to turn one's back دبر and إقبال is to face someone so إقبال الإمام على الناس the Imam facing the people عند تسوية الصفوف at the time of straightening the rows what does it mean? that should the Imam turn and face the people while he's telling them to straighten the rows? Or should he just stand straight and just tell them? What should he do? It is actually from the sunnah to face the people and then tell them to straighten the rows. Not that the imam is looking over his right shoulder or his left shoulder. Why? Why is it better to turn back and face the people and then tell them to straighten the rows? Is there any benefit? There will be more weight. People will, you know, be more careful, and they will form the rows properly, more quickly. They will respond more swiftly, because you see, even when you can hear somebody's words, you know, you don't really pay much attention. But when you see that they're looking at you, and they're looking at you, not the whole crowd, but you in particular, so what happens? You become more attentive. So this is why it is from the Sunnah that the Imam should face the people and then tell them, and also because then he can see. 
He can see, right? If the rows are straight or not, if there are any gaps or not. And he can guide them as to how to straighten the rows. حدثنا أحمد بن أبي رجاء قال حدثنا معاوية بن عمر قال حدثنا زائدة بن قدامة قال حدثنا حميد الطويل حدثنا أنس قال أقيمت الصلاة فأقبل علينا رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم بوجهه He said the prayer had been established meaning the iqama had been pronounced and the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he turned to us with his face meaning he faced us فقال so he said أقيموا صفوفكم straighten your rows وتراصوا this is a new word. Tarasu. Remember in the Quran, Bunyanu Marsus? What does it mean? Well compacted, joined together, such that there are no gaps, no cracks in the middle. So tarasu. So first of all, establish your rows, meaning straighten them, and tarasu, meaning stand close together. Fa'inni arakum min wara'i for indeed I see you from behind my back. So in this hadith we see that. Completing the rows means also not leaving any gaps. Bab al-Saffil awwal, the first row. Which is this row? The row that is right behind the imam. Now, what does this mean? That the row which is right behind the imam should be completed first, and then another row should be formed. And likewise, that should be completed, and when there is no gap left, then another row should be formed. Not that people just disperse in the masjid, stand wherever they wish, and then the people from the back, they're coming in to fill in the gaps. No. The people, all the people should move forwards, complete the first row, complete the second row, complete the third row, and so on and so forth. They're complete circles literally around the Kaaba at the time of Salah. Right? Complete circles. That there should not even be one gap in the middle. حدثنا أبو عاصم عن مالك عن سمي عن أبي صالح عن أبي هريرة قال قال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم الشهداء the شهداء are who الغرق the one who drowns المطعون والمطعون the one who is killed by طعون meaning a plague والمبطون and also مبطون meaning the one who dies because of some stomach disease والهدم and also the one who dies by you know something collapsing on top of him Right? Like, a, like a building or a wall or something that collapses on top of him. وَقَالَ And he said, وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِي التَّهْجِيرِ And if the people knew the reward of tahjir, meaning performing zuhr at its right time, لَاسْتَبَقُوا إِلَيْهِ Surely they would have raced to it. وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِي الْعَتَمَةِ And if they knew the reward of عَثَمَةِ Meaning their Isha prayer was Subhi And the morning meaning Fajr prayer لَأَتَوْهُمَا وَلَوْ حَبْوًا They would have come to them even if they were crawling وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِي الصَّفِّ الْمُقَدَّمِ And if they knew that which is in الصَّفِّ الْمُقَدَّمِ The صَفْ that is مُقَدَّم مُقَدَّم meaning right in the front The the front rows The first rows لَاسْتَهَمُوا Surely they would have cast lots They would have drawn lots for it now this narration, multiple ahadith are combined together. Because you might say, what's the connection over here between the first statement and the last statement? The thing is that uh, the narrators of hadith, when they would narrate, sometimes they would combine different uh, different ahadith that they had. So multiple ahadith are joined in one narration over here. Now, what is relevant to us is the last statement, وَلَوْ يَعْلَمُونَ مَا فِي الصَّفِّ الْمُقَدَّمِ لَاسْتَهَمُوا If the people knew the reward of الصَّفِّ الْمُقَدَّمِ, the front rows, they would have, they would have cast lots for it. Why would that be needed? Because if the people realize the reward, what would they do? 
they would all rush. And you know that when too many people are rushing for the same thing, then obviously all the spots are going to be filled up very quickly and there will be more who will be fighting for it. I'm, yes, exactly. Uh, people start reserving their spots also. And also you may have experienced this, that sometimes a row is completely full to the point that it's overcrowded. And when it's overcrowded, what happens is that uh, it becomes too tight and one person has to move to the back row. Right? He has to go back. Why? So that he can pray comfortably and others can also pray comfortably. Now, he, if he's supposed to go back, he, if he realizes the reward of standing in the, fr- in the first row, he wouldn't leave. But people would be urging, somebody has to move. Right? And for that, people would have to draw lots because otherwise there would be a big dispute. Right? People would fight for spots in the front rows if they knew the reward. So what does it show? That the front row should be completed and the second row should not be formed until the first row is complete. No, they don't have to istahimu. But if there is a dispute literally and people are fighting over it, and that problem has to be resolved, then okay, this this may be adopted. And rarely this will happen, that people will actually fight for this. People prefer to go where? In the back. Yes, during Taraweeh Salah, it does happen. In other ahadith, we learned that the front rows are best for men, and the back rows are best for women. What that means is that the men should be in the front of the Jama'ah, and the women should be in the back of the Jama'ah. You understand? Because Jamara is together, right? It's together. So the men have to be in the front and the women have to be at the back. This is why best rows for men are in the front and the best rows for women are those at the back. If the masjid is separated, the women have a completely different section. There is a barrier. The men cannot see. Then obviously, it will be better for a woman to stand towards the front because that is where she will find most khushur. Right? باب إقامة الصف من تمام الصلاة. Making the row straight is part of تمام الصلاة. Completing the prayer. It is part of perfecting the prayer. Part of صلاة. Which means that if the row is not complete, if it is not formed properly, if it is not straight, then صلاة is deficient. And that means that the reward will also be decreased. حدثنا عبد الله بن محمد قال حدثنا عبد الرزاق قال أخبرنا معمر عن همام عن أبي هريرة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم أنه قال إنما جعل الإمام ليؤتم به The Imam is appointed in order to be followed فلا تختلف عليه So do not differ from what he does لا تختلف عليه Meaning do not do اختلاف with the Imam In other words, don't differ with him when it comes to the actions Whatever the Imam is doing, that is what you should be doing not that the imam is getting up from his sajda and you are now going down into your sajda. No. You have to follow the imam. فَإِذَا رَكَعَ فَرْكَعُ When he goes into rukur, you should also go into rukur. وَإِذَا قَالَ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ فَقُولُ رَبَّنَا لَكَ الْحَمْدِ وَإِذَا سَجَدَ فَاسْجُدُ When he goes into sajda, you should also do sajda. وَإِذَا صَلَّى جَالِسًا When he prays sitting, فَصَلُّوا جُلُوسًا أَجْمَعُونَ Then you should also sit and pray altogether. And establish the rows in the prayer, meaning straighten them. فَإِنَّ إِقَامَةَ الصَّفِّ Because indeed, إِقَامَةَ الصَّفِّ Meaning making the row straight is مِنْ حُسْنِ It is part of the beauty of the prayer. Yes? 
it is what beautifies the prayer. And if you think about it, a congregation, a jama'ah, when the rows are formed properly, really, that is such a beautiful scene. Right? So many people are attracted to this image, this view of people just standing together in perfect lines and straight lines. It's such a beautiful scene. And also for the people who are praying the salah, it is part of bringing beauty to the prayer. Because if you ever stand next to a person, you know, properly, properly such that your shoulder is joining theirs and your foot is joining theirs and there's no gap between you, you're standing comfortably, they're standing comfortably. And literally it's like bunyanu marsus, it will add to your khushur. It will really make your salah more beautiful. And if the row is not straight, then your salah cannot be beautiful because constantly you're concerned. It's a constant distraction. It brings unity. When you have to stand next to someone and pray, I mean any issues that you may have against them, inshallah they will also go away. Salah is a personal matter. However, over here we see that beauty, perfection of salah only comes with standing together, jama'ah, and paying attention to the people who are around us. Please do share these ahadiths in the month of Ramadan. Because unfortunately people don't know. You know, this is an encouragement. فَإِنَّ إِقَامَةَ الصَّفِّ مِنْ حُسْنِ الصَّلَةِ Right? It is something that will make the salah more beautiful. It is part of the beauty of the prayer. Now in this hadith there are a number of issues. First of all, we see that where it is said, وَإِذَا قَالَ سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ فَقُولُوا رَبَّنَا لَكَ الْحَمْدُ When the imam says, سَمِعَ اللَّهُ لِمَنْ حَمِدَ What should you say? رَبَّنَا لَكَ الْحَمْدُ Now there are different versions of the statement, رَبَّنَا لَكَ الْحَمْدُ Okay, there are four different versions which are all correct. So one is what is mentioned over here, Rabbana lakal hamd. Another is Rabbana walakal hamd. Another is Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. And the fourth one is Allahumma Rabbana walakal hamd. Okay, Allahumma Rabbana walakal hamd. And the third is Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd. So basically, Rabbana lakal hamd. Rabbana walakal hamd and then the other two are similar Allahumma Rabbana lakal hamd and Allahumma Rabbana walakal hamd alright and remember that when there are different authentic versions that have been narrated then what is better tanawwar variety that you also use all of them so if you are familiar with these four different versions then you should make sure that you say all of them not all four in one uh, but in like in different prayers, don't just recite one dhikr only. Different, different ones. Because that is afdal. That is better. Can I say it like once to apply the sunnah in my life and stick to one? Or... That's what I'm saying. When there are different authentic versions and you're familiar with them, then you should not stick with only one. Okay? So for example, dua istiftah also. After the takbir in salah. It isn't just one dua. There are multiple duas, right? In sujood, in rukur, there isn't just one tasbih. There are multiple. So many people, they just stick to, they just adhere to subhanahu rabbil azim three times. Yes, salah will be valid, of course. But what is better? That you alternate. You change. You recite different ones. Because that is what will bring beauty to your prayer also. Yes, increase in khushur, it helps you focus. Right? And it, it, it helps you enjoy every prayer also. Because you're more involved in it. It's more meaningful to you. Now, over here, we see that the Prophet ﷺ also said, وَأَقِيمُ الصَّفْ 
right? Do iqamatu saf. Now iqamatu saf is composed of multiple umur, multiple matters. First of all, so straightening the rows, different words have been used, itmamu sufuf, taswiyatu sufuf, over here we see iqamatu sufuf. All of these put together, they include many, many things. First of all, straightening the rows so that the rows are not crooked. They should not be crooked. How should they be? Straight. Unless obviously people are standing right around the Kaaba. Over there obviously it will be a circle. But other than that, how should it be? Straight line. And such that people are standing parallel to one another, meaning right next to one another. And how will this happen? When people will join their ankles and shoulders. Now the details of this, joining the ankles and the shoulders, inshallah we'll read about it in another bab. But here, uh, this much is sufficient. That first step is straightening the rows. And how can that happen? If the shoulders and ankles are joined together properly. Secondly, this includes taras, meaning the rows should be complete, compact, so that there are no gaps. The Prophet ﷺ, he would encourage the Sahaba to form the rows as the angels form their rows. Right? Why don't you form your rows like the angels form their rows? Right? That's how the angels are. And how did he explain that? By filling in and completing the rows, one by one. So, no gaps should be left. Why? Because if there are gaps, then who will come? Shaitan will come. Like what? Like lambs, you know, running in the middle. Has it ever happened that you're standing and a cat comes and just, you know, rubs itself by you? So, likewise, lambs also, if they find a gap somewhere, they will run through. So shaitan also, he runs through the rows, distracting people quickly, uh, wherever he finds the gaps. So it is necessary that no gaps are left. But remember, this does not mean that the rows should be crowded, that the people are squeezed and they can barely perform their, you know, salah properly. And remember that this includes completing the first row and then the next, alright? Thirdly, it includes the qarub bayna sufuf, meaning the rows should also be formed near one another. They should not be too far apart. So in other words, the distance between two rows should be how much? How much should the gap be? Just enough for the people at the back to perform their sajda easily. It should not be, the gap should not be a lot. Why? Because then it will not look like a jama'ah. This is salatul jama'ah, a congregation. And jama'ah is from what? Ijtima', which is to come together. Right? And in order to come together in prayer, it is necessary that the rows are formed one after the other without much gap in the middle. If they're too far apart, it cannot be jamara. Then likewise, fourthly, this includes dunu min al-imam, meaning being close to the imam also. Not that there's a distance of like 15 feet between the first row and the imam. No. The imam and the people behind him, in the first row behind him, again, there should be just enough distance for the people to do sajda. They should be close to the imam. Dunub, meaning being close, min al-imam, to the imam. And remember that uh, when they all have to be close to the imam, what does that mean? That the imam should be in the center, in the sense that there should be almost an equal number of people on his right and equal number of people on his left. So he should be in the middle. All right. Shaykh ibn Baz, he said, the row should start from the middle, from behind the imam. And the right side of each row is better than the left. 
A new row should not be started until the one in front is completed. There is nothing wrong with there being more people on the right side of a row and there is no need to make the row equal on both sides. Rather the command to do that is contrary to the sunnah. Meaning making sure that it's exactly the same. Yani a person should not go to such length. On average it should be similar. But people should not form a second row until the first is complete or form a third row until the second is complete and so on because it is proven that the Messenger of Allah وسلم, enjoined that. So anyway, these are some important things that we must remember that are included in Iqamatul Sufuf. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة عن قتادة عن أنس عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال سووا صفوفكم فإن تسوية الصفوف من إقامة الصلاة Make your rows straight because straightening the rows is part of establishing the prayer. Earlier it was said it is من حسن الصلاة Here we see it is من إقامة الصلاة So all of this, what does it show? That straightening the rows, forming them properly you know, without leaving any gaps in the middle all of this it shows first of all the wujub the fact that it is mandatory to straighten the rows. And secondly, the fadila, the great reward, the virtue also. Right? So first of all, it shows that this is necessary. And secondly, it is also something that's very good. How is it wajib? Because the Prophet ﷺ commanded, there's amr. This is an amr. And if the Prophet ﷺ is giving a command, then what does it mean? It's a must. There is no choice that we have. So there is an amr. Secondly, we see that it's been connected with iqamat as-salah. Yani, iqamat as-salah is not possible if the rows are not complete. You understand? In the Quran, what do we learn? To establish the prayer. Yuqimuna as-salata. We learn about iqamat as-salah. And what do we learn in this hadith? Inna taswiyat as-sufufi min iqamat as-salah. So just as performing the takbir and reciting al-fatiha and following the imam is part of iqamat as-salah, Likewise, forming the rows is also part of iqamatul salah. And we have also learned about the threat, the warning of punishment for not forming the rows properly. Now there is a question. What if people don't pay attention to forming the rows properly? Is their salah valid? Let's say there are a lot of gaps. They're not standing properly. Is their salah valid? Because here we see it's wajib, it's amr. Right? There's no choice that people have. It's connected with iqamatul salah. There is a threat of punishment. It's haram to leave gaps in the middle basically. So does it invalidate the prayer? Remember that salah will be valid. Okay? Salah will be valid. But jama'ah, that is not proper. You understand? There's naqs in the jama'ah. So we won't say to a person who's not forming a row properly that your salah is not valid. No, their salah is valid. But when it comes to uh, jama'ah, that is not proper. There, it is deficient. Okay. Also we see later in a hadith that Anas anhu he criticized the people for not forming their rows properly, but he did not tell them to repeat their prayer. He criticized them, but he didn't tell them to repeat the prayer. If he told them to repeat the prayer, that would mean that their salah was not valid at all. But if he criticized them, that meant that it lacks perfection. It lacks completion. Bab, ismi malam yutim as-sufuf. The ism, the sin of the one who does not complete the rows, meaning who does not straighten the rows. Imam Bukhari is deriving over here that a person who does not form the row properly is actually committing a sin. It's not just a deficiency, a lack in reward, but it's actually a sin. Because remember, 
that sin is what? Doing that which is forbidden and leaving that which is obligatory. Leaving that which is obligatory is also a sin. Okay? So for example, fasting in the month of Ramadan, is it obligatory? Is it fard? Yes. So if a person doesn't fast in the month of Ramadan, what is he doing? He's committing a sin. You know, unless there is a reason, that's different. If he's excused, he's excused. But without any legitimate reason, he's not fasting at all. Remember that it is a sin. So likewise, if people are not forming their rows properly, what are they committing? A sin. So this is a serious matter. So, باب إثمان لم يتم الصفوف. So إتمام الصفوف that is important, right? And earlier we learned that part of completing the rows, perfecting the rows is straightness, leaving no gaps, completing first rows first, right? But also that a man should not stand alone. And inshallah we'll learn about that. And if any of this is contradicted, so for example, row is crooked. There is a person, you know, uh, staking out and there is a person too far behind. Like sometimes it happens, you're standing in prayer and you don't even see the person stand next to you because they're too far behind. Right? Or there's another person, it seems as if they're a step ahead of you. Right? So, this is what? Going against the command of the Prophet ﷺ, this is something that contradicts itmam al-sufuf, and according to Imam Bukhari, what is it? An ithm. It is a sin. So sometimes what happens is that we don't tell people. Right? Even though we have the capacity to tell them, that, you know, come closer, come forward, or go behind a little, we don't tell them. But remember that, we would be committing a sin over there. You know, one is that you tell them and they don't listen to you. That's a different situation. But if you don't even tell them, remember, it's a sin on whose part? On your part. Yes, they may be committing a sin, but you are also committing a sin by not joining with them. حدثنا معاذ بن أسد قال أخبرنا الفضل بن موسى قال أخبرنا سعيد بن عبيد الطائي عن بشير بن يسار الأنصاري عن أنس بن مالك أنه قدم المدينة أنس بن مالك طلوا عنه Remember that he was one of those companions who lived for a long time after the death of the Prophet right? he, he lived a very long life also So he came أنه قدم المدينة Once he came to Medina, he visited Medina which shows that after the death of the Prophet Anas طلوا عنه He didn't live in Medina anymore he lived elsewhere. So once he visited Medina, فَقِيلَ لَهُ so It was said to him, meaning he was asked, مَا أَنْكَرْتَ Meaning, what is it that you disapprove? أَنْكَرْتَ Meaning, what is it that you disapprove? Minna from us. مُنْذُ Since يَوْمِ day عَهِدْتَ You were with Rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What does it mean by the statement? مَا أَنْكَرْتَ minna? مُنذُ يَوْمِ عَهِدْتَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهِ وسلم, Meaning, is there anything that you disapprove of, that you find in us, since the days you were with the Messenger صلى الله عليه وسلم? Meaning, you spent your time with the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم. You saw many things that we haven't seen. So is there anything that you find in us, which is not right, which contradicts you know, the status quo at the time of the Prophet ﷺ. Do you see any discrepancy over here in us? Do you see anything that you disapprove of? That you disapprove of? And this is also such a good question, right? For correction. Because sometimes you don't see your mistakes. So is there anything that you notice? Especially because he was visiting Medina, an outsider. Because what happens is that when we are somewhere, we see uh, things certain way, we get used to them, we get accustomed to them. But when a new person comes, 
from outside, then they see the deficiencies. So it is always good to take their feedback. Qala, he said, ma ankartu shay'an. There is nothing that I disapprove of, meaning alhamdulillah, everything's good. Illa except annakum la tuqimun as-sufuf. That you do not make the rows straight. وَقَالَ عُقْبَةُ بْنُ عُبَيْدٍ عَنْ بُشَيْرِ بْنِ يَسَارٍ قَدِمْ عَلَيْنَا أَنَسُ بْنُ مَالِكٍ الْمَدِينَةَ بِهَذَا So what do we see here? Anas who criticized their failure to do something that was obligatory. Because if it was not obligatory, if it was not necessary, he wouldn't have criticized them. He wouldn't have told them. So this shows that if a person is not paying attention to straightening the rose, he is committing a sin. And if a jama'ah, you know, uh, uh, overall does not straighten the rows, then they're all committing a sin. And it's the responsibility of the imam to make sure that the rows are straightened. Now the question is, how will the rows be straightened? I mentioned to you earlier, joining the shoulders and the feet. Bab ilzaqi al-mankabi bil-mankabi wal-qadami bil-qadami fil-saf. Ilzaq. Ilzaq is to join. Alright, so joining, and joining means I should be touching. Okay, joining means I should be touching. So the shoulder of one person should be touching the shoulder of the one standing next to him. Not that they are together and there is a gap of let's say one inch or half an inch. No, that is not correct. Ilzaq, it should be joined. They should be touching. So ilzaq al-mankabi bil-mankabi. Shoulder with the shoulder. وَالْقَدَمْ بِالْقَدَمْ And foot with the foot. So what do we see here? Both have to be joined. Sometimes we pay attention only to the feet. Right? So what happens is that people are standing like, you know, with their legs outstretched just to, you know, join the row. Their feet are literally like two feet apart or something or more. And the shoulders are not joining. Or sometimes the shoulders are joining, but a person is standing in such a way that their feet are you know, join together and those on their either side are struggling to join feet with them. So what do we see here? Mankab bil mankab wal qadam bil qadam. Mankab. Fam shufi manakibiha. Right? Walk on the manakib of the earth, shoulders of the earth, and what it means by is it slopes. Right? Because that's how a mankab is, it slopes down. Waqalam Nurman ibn Bashirin. I saw one of us, a man from among us, Yulziku Ka'bahu Bikarbisahibihi. I saw that each of our men would place his heel against the heel of his companion. Meaning this is how we would perform the salah together. This is how we would make the jamara. How each person would join his heel with the heel of his sahib. Who is a sahib? the person standing next to him. So shoulders and feet, both. Now why shoulders and feet, both? Because shoulders are at the top of the body and feet are at the bottom of the body. Now, remember that if at the top of the body, at the bottom, both are joined together, then definitely the row is going to be straight and definitely there will be no gaps. Tasweetu sufuf accomplished. Right? And also remember that if you are standing straight, right, and your feet are shoulder length apart, and there's something very, very important. Feet should be shoulder length apart. Always. Would you like to do it right now? 
practice right now. So stand in such a way that your feet are not too far apart so that you look like an A. Okay? Likewise, your feet should not be too close together. Now think of your body. Okay, think of your body. Your shoulder down to your foot. Straight line. Straight line. And remember we learned earlier that everything should be facing the Qibla. So your toes should be facing the Qibla. And for that your feet have to be straight. So until you can uh, straighten your foot more. like So straighten your foot. Yes, exactly. Because remember, toes have to face the Qibla. Okay. Now if you join your shoulders, are your shoulders touching? Okay. Your your feet are too wide open. Join them a bit closer. More, a little bit more. Yeah. So now you see, if your if your feet are shoulder length apart, then what will happen? It's bunyanu masus. Right? It will automatically become like that. And this is the best way of standing. Make sure that your feet are shoulder length apart. And each person will stand comfortably. You will go to Rukur comfortably. You will even sit in Tashahud comfortably. If your feet are straight, your heel will touch. If your feet are straight, your heel will definitely touch. Is it? Okay. Now remember, don't turn your foot to the right nor to the left. Because sometimes what happens is that in joining the heel, people exaggerate. They go like this. Even this is not appropriate. That your feet are uh, you know, inwards. That is not appropriate. Likewise, your toes should not be outwards either. They should be just straight. Because when we did the Bab of Qibla, we learned that everything should face the Qibla. Right? Your shoulders straight, your toes straight, everything. Okay. Now, go into Shahud. Just go into Shahud. Okay. Are you able to sit comfortably? Huh? Yeah, even the last tashahud. Try. Yeah, of course people are, you know, their bodies are different. So it will be different. But overall, are you able to sit comfortably? Yes. So this is, alhamdulillah, enough space that you need. So remember, feet, shoulder length apart. Body should be straight. If you focus on yourself, the row will also be straightened. Okay, let's continue now. And you know, when a person performs a salah properly, it's the best form of um, stretching your body also, right? And usually what happens is that in any kind of exercise, what they tell you is that, like for example, if you're bending, your your hands are on the ground and your feet are on the ground, they tell you your hands should be shoulder length apart. Your feet should, should be shoulder length apart, always. Why? Align your body, straighten your body. Back will be straight, then everything will be will be aligned properly. And if it's not aligned properly, you'll be uncomfortable. And if you're uncomfortable, you won't be able to pray properly either. So ilzaqil mankavi bil mankavi wal qadami bil qadami fi saf. Haddathana Amr ibn Khalidin Kala Haddathana Zuhairun an Humaidin an Anasin an Nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam kal aqimu sufufakum fa inni arakum min wara ilahri. Straighten your rows, for indeed I see you from behind my back. وَكَانَ أَحَدُنَا يُلْزِقُ مَنْ كِبَهُ بِمَنْ كِبِ صَاحِبِهِ وَقَدَمُهُ بِقَدَمِهِ He said, and one of us, what would he do? He would join his mankib with the mankib of his sahib, meaning shoulder joined together and feet also joined together. Now, with respect to feet, especially what is mentioned, 
uh, earlier we learned رَأَيْتُ الرَّجُلَ مِنَّا يُلْزِقُ كَعْبَهُ بِكَعْبِ صَاحِبِهِ Feet in particular, what should be joined together? The ankles. And what it means by the ankles is the heels. Okay? So attention is paid to the heels because they are the foundation on which the body rests. Isn't it? When you're standing, where is your body resting? On your toes? No. Where? On your heels. The heel is at the bottom of the leg. And the leg is what? It's the pillar of the body. So in order to, yes, in order to straighten the body, what is necessary? You straighten the pillar of the body. Okay? And if the leg is straight, the body is straight, from your shoulder down to your heel, then what will happen? The person standing next to you, he will really be next to you. There will be no gap, neither between the shoulders nor between the heels. Now, toes, they're not mentioned. Why? Because some people have long feet, some people have short feet. So what matters more is what? The heels. And we discussed this earlier, the feet don't have to be open sideways, okay? neither outward nor inward, because the body has to be straight. And if your feet are you know, sideways, open sideways, outward or inward, then it's not possible to stand straight. Right? Some scholars, they said that join the toes, and others said that no, in the heels. There's a difference over here, but mainly if you think about it, like I described to you here, the heel is the bottom of the leg, and the leg is a pillar of the body. Right? It connects you all the way to your sh- from your shoulder to your heel. It's all one straight line. Okay, so if you focus on joining the heels, uh, it will be easy. But remember that in joining the heels, please don't bend your foot. Okay? Meaning don't turn it inward. Why? This is an exaggeration and an annoyance and imbalance. Not good for you. Okay, Because some people in trying to join the ankles, they will go to such extreme. This is not appropriate. Always remember toes should be pointed towards the qibla. Your body has to be straight. Bab, إِذَا قَامَ الرَّجُلُ عَنْ يَسَارِ الْإِمَامِ When a man stands to the left side of the imam, وَحَوَّلَهُ الْإِمَامِ And the imam moves him, خَلْفَهُ From behind him, إِلَى يَمِينِهِ To his right side. تَمَّتْ صَلَاتُهُ His salah is complete. Meaning in order to straighten the row, form it properly. Because you see, if the imam, uh, if there is only one person, Praying with the imam. So two people praying together. Where should the ma'moom stand? On the right side of the imam. But if he's standing on the left side of the imam, the row is not proper. It has to be fixed. So for that reason, what is the imam doing? Moving him from his left to his right, but how? From behind himself. Now, likewise, in order to straighten the rows at other times, what happens? Movements have to be made. Right? So for example, you may have to step forward, or you may have to turn, uh, move a little to your right, or a little to your left, remember tammat salatu. This is not going to disturb the prayer. This is only going to perfect the prayer. Because remember the rule. Any movement that is made to perfect the prayer, to complete the prayer, to perform the prayer more properly and easily, that movement is permissible. Okay? So for example, if a person is standing and their, let's say their leg is itching, itching to the point that they're not able to concentrate at all. Or sometimes the hand is. Okay? It's possible. Now, all you need to do is just rub it slightly, gently, just for like two seconds, and inshallah the rest of your salah will be fine. You understand? 
Likewise, you're sitting in tashahud and there's a big black ant crawling over you. And you see it. And it might even bite you. So can you just flick it? You can. Why? Because it will help you perform your salah properly. So before the salah begins, you should make sure that the rows are straightened and completed before it begins. This is why there is a gap between iqama and salat, even you know a few minutes or a few seconds rather, and the iqama itself is long enough, right? So during that, make sure that the rows are straightened. But if they're not straight, move, because you cannot leave a gap in front of you. Okay. حدثنا قتيبة بن سعيد قال حدثنا داوود عن عمر بن دينار عن كريب مولى بن عباس عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال صليت مع النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم ذات ليلة فقمت عن يساره فأخذ رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم برأسي من ورائي فجعلني عن يمينه فصلى ورقد فجاءه المؤذن فقام وصلى ولم يتوضأ We have read this hadith many times before and in this we see the permissibility of movement in salah for the purpose of perfecting the salah, improving the salah. Also, another important point is that a man should not cross before another man who is praying. Rather, he should go from where? From behind him. And also we see here that the imam is not moving. I mean, the Prophet ﷺ could also, you know, move. Right? But he didn't move. So we see that the imam will not move. Rather, the people around him should adjust themselves around the imam. Now, we see that the imam is correcting. The Prophet ﷺ was correcting Ibn Abbas. Right? Now, likewise, you may be performing your salah and there is a gap and you need to move the person closer to yourself. Right? One is that you move and the other is that you need to move somebody. Can you do that? Yes, you can. There is a hadith in Abu Dawood. Abdullah bin Umar anhu narrated that the Messenger of Allah ﷺ said, make your rows straight. Stand shoulder to shoulder and close the gaps and do not resist your brother's hands. Do not leave any gaps for the shaitan. Whoever completes a row, Allah will reward him. And whoever breaks a row, Allah will forsake him. Now, in this hadith, what do we see? The Prophet ﷺ said, do not resist your brother's hands. Abu Dawood, he explained this as, a man should be easy going if his brother pushes him forwards or backwards to make the row straight. Meaning if somebody is moving you, don't stand like an iron, you know, pillar or, you know, like a wall or something. Move. Because the Prophet ﷺ said, do not resist your brother's hands. Because sometimes we get offended. Right? Now, if you do come across a person who is like this toward you, meaning you're correcting them. Now, what can you do? You can move towards them. Instead of moving them to you, move towards them. باب المرأة وحدها تكون صفا A woman وحدها alone تكون صفا She will form a row Meaning if a woman is standing alone behind men in Jama'ah Although she is standing alone it will constitute as a row Okay? Meaning it will be considered as a row Okay? But does the same apply for men? No, it doesn't apply for men. A woman, she can make her all by herself, but a man cannot. He needs another man. حدثنا عبد الله بن محمد قال حدثنا سفيان عن إسحاق عن أنس بن مالك قال صليت أنا ويتيم أنس رضي الله عنه said, I prayed. Uh, صليت أنا, I prayed ويتيم and the orphan. 
فِي بَيْتِنَا in our house خَلْفَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وسلم, Behind the Prophet ﷺ. So what does it mean? The Prophet ﷺ is the imam, he's leading the people in prayer. Who's standing behind him? Two children. Anas عنه, and a yatim. Yatim is who? Who is yatim? Non-baligh child whose father has passed away. When he reaches puberty, he doesn't remain yatim anymore. In the sense that the term yatim doesn't apply to him. Okay? So the word yatim over here shows that it was a child. Okay? Now, two children are standing behind the Prophet ﷺ. وَأُمُّ سُلَيْمٍ خَلْفَنَا And my mother, Umm Sulaim, was behind us. So you understand? The Prophet ﷺ. Next row, Anas and the yatim. And the third row, Umm Sulaim. We see that Umm Sulaim didn't stand next to the children. Even though mahram issue, there is none here. But still she stood behind them. Now there is a number of lessons that we see here. First of all, we see the husn khuluq of the Prophet ﷺ where he went to his companions and he prayed in their house. I mean, who's over there? Not even one man. A woman and a child and an orphan. And he is going to their house and he is leading them in prayer. Then we see that the Prophet ﷺ led them in prayer. And this was not fard, because fard would be where? In the masjid. This was nafil. So nafil can be performed in jama'ah. And this is important for us to remember, because every time Ramadan comes, we are in doubt. Taraweeh prayers, I mean, I've heard that it's better to pray on your own, but can we really pray in jama'ah? So have this shahr sadr that you can, because the Prophet ﷺ did lead people in prayer, and that was nafil prayer. Also we see that, a row can be formed with a non-baligh child. You understand? Because if a row could not be formed with a non-baligh child, then Anas anhu would be standing next to the Prophet wasallam, and the yatim would also be next to him. Hmm? But we see that both of them stood behind the Prophet wasallam, forming what? A saf. Okay? A saf. Because sometimes what happens is that people don't consider the prayer of a non-baligh child at all. It's not actually salah, it's not actually... He cannot even lead. But remember that if the child has that kind of understanding, okay, he's able to pray. And remember, at the age of seven, children are required to start praying. Uh, and by the age of ten, they must. And many times it happens that by the age of ten even, boys are not necessarily baligh. Right? So it's fault on them to, on them to pray. So remember that even they will form a row. Okay? Sometimes it may happen that with children, boys especially, let's say the father is doing the jama'ah and he's got two sons. Where should they stand? Next to him? Behind him. Even if they're little, they should stand behind him. But if there's only one boy, then where should he stand? Next to the father. Right? Also we see here that a woman may stand alone behind the men. And in fact she should. She should not stand next to them. She should not mix with them even if they are mahram and even if they are young. When she's standing on her own without any other women alone, her prayer is valid. But if other women are there, then she should not be standing alone. It should be a asaf. Okay? And this also teaches us that a woman is not standing right next to men such that her shoulder is joining his shoulder. Why? What's the hikmah? What's the wisdom behind this? Big distraction and fitna. All right. 
And remember that if it is not permissible in ibadah, then how can it be permissible in other in other places for other reasons? Because sometimes it's unfortunate where uh, Muslim women dressed in hijab, they're like sitting right next to such that the body is touching. You know, if there is a gap and it's out of necessity. Like for example, you're waiting, uh, let's say outside the doctor's office and there's absolutely no seat available and you, there's one, but there's a man sitting right next to it. So you go sit there, but you're not touching the man. That is a different situation. There is a, a you know, a distance between the two. But here, remember, in salah there is no gap because saf has to be made such that there is no gap in the middle. So this is why a woman will not stand next to the men. And this is the reason why the Prophet ﷺ said the best rows for men are those in the front and the best rows for women are those at the back. But remember one thing, that if it is a situation where there is absolutely no room, no space at all, okay, and you're kind of stuck. Uh, and there, there are men. So can you leave a little bit of gap and stand next to them for salah? It will happen in the haram. Many times it will happen in the haram. Hmm? Like for example, you're walking and you're trying to get into the women's section and what happens? The salah has started and wherever people are, they just stand and they start their prayer. And you can find... Obviously, if they're standing like bunyanu mafsuz, how can you squeeze through between men? You're stuck, you're trapped. Right? So if let's say you and your sister, I mean, and there are men on one side, so you move a little to, uh, you know, the side where there's empty space, and then you just stand there and pray. Sometimes it may happen with you. I remember it happened with me. I was in the haram, standing and praying, and got, got stuck in a situation like this. It was around hajj time. So there were these stairs going down and I just stood there on the first step. Okay? I was like, who can come come and stand next to me? Nobody will. So I just stood on the first step. So it was on, ground, on the same level, but on the first step. But what happened? Men kept coming and coming from behind and they started standing over there. And um, a man was literally like an arm's length away. It was a very awkward situation, but it was out of extreme necessity. I mean, I started first and what was his fault? What could he do? Where could he go? Right? So, it may happen, but in these situations, it's an, uh, it's a different case. But in general, it is not permissible for women to stand next to men in prayer. Also, one more thing we see here is that where a woman is allowed to make a row by herself, standing alone, a man, is he allowed? No, he is not. Okay, he has to be in a saf with other men. Because iqamatu salah, jama'ah, is for who? For men. And how can it be a jama'ah if he's standing alone? You understand? For women, iqamatu salah, jama'ah is not mandatory. It's mandatory on who? On the men. And if a man is standing alone, how is that a jama'ah? It's not a jama'ah. So the most correct view is that standing in the row for men is obligatory and that the prayer of a man who prays on his own is not valid. He has to repeat the prayer because he has omitted the duty of standing in the row. And the Prophet ﷺ, he told the people who prayed like this to repeat their prayer. There are many narrations in which we learn this. But remember, if a person is not able to stand in the row, is not able to stand in the row for a legitimate reason, then his prayer is valid. Because, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَا Right? Now, 
what could be a valid reason? A legitimate reason. So for example, a person is on a wheelchair. Okay? And uh, the row is such that, I mean, there is, let's say he comes in, there is a gap on the side, but he cannot fit there. He has to, he has to form his own row. And there is nobody else with him. So now, what should he do? Not pray. He has to pray. So he will form his own row and he's standing alone. Now people who are coming in, if anybody does come in, what should they do? They should stand next to him so that his row may be formed. Now, if a man comes and finds that the row is full, okay, the row is full, the saf is full, and a new saf has to be formed, what should he do? Pull someone from the front? Okay. There's four possibilities. Okay, and inshallah we'll explain each one of them. One is that he he moves forward and he goes and stands beside the imam. Let's say the entire masjid is full. There is no place. He goes and stands next to the imam. This is against the sunnah. Absolutely against the sunnah. Because he cannot stand next to the imam. Even though there is a lot of space over there, he cannot stand next to the imam. And he will also disturb the congregation by walking through them in front of them. Another possibility is that he can pull someone out of the row. Okay, that step back and stand beside him. But this will create a gap in the row, in the front row. And that is not permissible. Leaving gaps is not permissible. And it's also not fair to the person who's pulled back. I mean, he came early to stand in the front and you're pulling him behind. Right? He has to leave his better spot for a worse one. And it will also distract him from the prayer. Because he's wondering, why is this person pulling me? What's going on? He will resist. He will have to look back and see what's going on. So it will distract him from the prayer. There's a problem here also. A third possibility is that he can pray on his own. He says, okay, fine, I won't I won't join the Jamarah. I'll just pray my Salah myself. But even this is not permissible while the Jamarah is going on. Because joining the Jamarah is obligatory. Then another possibility is that he can pray with the congregation, with the Jamarah, behind the row, all by himself. Okay, uh, and this is permissible. In fact, it would be better because he is performing his duty to the best of his ability. All right, and he's not disturbing others. He's not disturbing. Exactly, and this is a view that was favored by uh, Sheikh Rasulullah ibn, ibn Taymiyyah and many other scholars also. Okay, yes. Pulling somebody first is that you don't know how they will react. They might not listen to you. You might try one person, he's not listening. You might try another one, they're not listening. Exactly. There's a gap that is going to be left there. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's better that you stand by yourself because remember that the obligation doesn't apply to you now. Even though it is obligatory to, I mean, especially for men, to stand in in a row. And for women, when there are other women, they should stand in a row. But when you're not able to stand in a row, then it's not mandatory on you. Remember that when a person is not able to do something, then the obligation is removed from him. Yes. I have a last question, actually. I think I finished whatever I was doing upstairs with one of the classes. I came down and for the first time it happened to me, everything was full, like all the rows. Yeah. So I just stood in the middle. Yeah. And so by the time I was just doing my this, uh, I don't know how many people came and joined. Alhamdulillah. So they all got late too, so they all came and joined. Yes, other people will come. Yeah. So the woman gets the reward 
Oh yeah. As long as she's following the Imam, she's part of the congregation. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, we discussed that earlier, that for women, the front row in, in the women's section would be best. Yes. Yeah. Now, if two men are praying, okay, that is a jama'ah, and how will they pray? The ma'moom will stand next to the imam. But let's say a third person comes. Now, in that case, uh, he will not come and stand to the left side of the imam. You understand? Why? Because when there are two or more people, then they have to form a row behind the imam. Then in that case, you know, he will say something or point to the person or touch him or something so that he knows that, okay, now a saf has to be formed. That is a different situation. And if he moves, it's not like he's um, breaking the salah or it's not like he's leaving a gap or anything. Okay? No, the, the imam has to be in the front and the people who are praying. Okay, when two people are praying side by side, then the ma'moom has to stand right next to the imam. Right next to the imam. He's not going to be a step behind. He has to be right next to. Okay, we read about this earlier also. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So in the case of husband and wife also, the wife will stand behind the husband, not next to him. Okay? Because we see here the mother is not standing next to the son. Okay? She's standing behind them. So even if he's mahram, still the woman will not stand next to men in jama'ah unless it's an absolutely exceptional situation. Yes. And even in that, no touching. Yes. Yeah, I mean, little children, it's different. You're teaching them how to pray. But as they grow older, and as they're able to move towards the men's rows, they should be sent over there. Not that big boys are standing next to their mothers in prayer. That is not permissible. Even I think seven is too big. They should be with the men. They should not be with the mothers at that age. Yeah, unfortunately this is something that is becoming common now. Men and women standing together and praying, this is not permissible. Bab Maimanatil Masjidi wal Imami, the right hand side of the masjid and the imam. Another aspect of straightening the rows is preferring the right side of the row to the left. Why? Because right side of the row is better than the left side. But remember that it is not mandatory that everybody comes and stands to the right side. Uh, okay. حدثنا موسى حدثنا ثابت بن يزيد حدثنا عاصم عن الشعبي عن ابن عباس رضي الله عنهما قال قمت ليلة أصلي عن يسار النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم فأخذ بيدي أو بعضدي حتى أقامني عن يمينه وقال بيده من ورائي Same hadith, just different words Over here وقال بيده Just one thing قال Remember we learned earlier قول is also applied to فعل So over here he gestured with his hand That go from Behind that he indicated with his hand for me uh, to be a little behind him. So what do we see here that uh, the the Prophet ﷺ moved him from his left side to his 
right side. So right side of the imam is better. Bab إِذَا كَانَ بَيْنَ الْإِمَامِ وَبَيْنَ الْقَوْمِ حَائِطٌ أَوْ سُطْرَةٌ When there is a wall or a sutra, a barrier between the imam and the people. Remember one of the rules that we learned was that the imam, that the rows should be close together. And the people should form their rows right behind the imam. The only distance should be uh, just enough to do sajda, not more than that. But what if there is a barrier or a ha'it, a wall between some of the rows and the imam? Uh, is that going to affect the, the jama'ah? It is permissible. Like for example, for the women's section, there is a barrier in the middle. Sometimes women are not even able to see the imam, but they're able to hear him. Right? Now remember that part of the Sviyatul Sufuf is that the rows must be close to one another. They should be muttasli because it's a jama'ah. Always remember, it's a jama'ah. It's a group prayer. So the group has to be together. But remember that if in this group there is a barrier, there is a wall, you know, or something, it doesn't make a difference. As long as it's a continuous flow of rows. It's a continuous flow of rows. There is no harm. وَقَالَ الْحَسَنُ And Hassan said, لَا بَأْسَ أَن تُصَلِّيَ بَيْنَكَ وَبَيْنَهُ نَهْرٌ There is no harm even if there is a nahr, a river between you and the imam. Because obviously if the imam is standing and praying on one side of the river and you're on the other side and you want to, there's three of you and you want to join that man in prayer, where are you going to stand? In the river? You have to stand on the other side of the river. And river doesn't mean really, really wide. It could also be a, a small stream. Right? He will uh, follow the imam even if there is between them two tariqun, a road, aw jidarun, or a wall. As long as he can hear the takbir of the imam. So it is necessary for the rows to be muttasil, to be continuous. And a continuation of rows with barriers in between is also permissible. Now you may have noticed that, for example, in Hajj season or in Ramadan, in Makkah there is a lot of people. So much so that the rows are, you know, flowing, you know, continuous from the Kaaba all the way to the streets and even hotel lobbies and the corridors in, you know, different, different places. In everywhere people are standing in rows. Now, there are, you know, certain hotels which are facing uh, the the haram, and they have prayer rooms over there. Right? They they have prayer rooms over there, such that through the window you can even see the Kaaba. All right. Now, if you happen to be in a prayer room like that, can you pray salah over there? You can, if, of course, you can hear. There's speakers. Okay. You can if the rows are continuous, meaning the people are praying. There are people who are praying salah all the way between you and the imam. But if let's say two days after Eid, the haram is empty. Literally, it becomes empty. Like the out the outside area becomes empty. Only the masjid is full. Can you pray in that room in the hotel? No, you cannot. Now you have to go to the masjid. Okay, why? Because there is a big gap between you and the imam. Yeah, exactly. Now, you can hear live tarawih, live salah, you know, over television and even radio. So, can you turn the television on and start praying? No, you cannot do that. Because you can hear, but the rows are not muttasil. 
The roles are not muttasil. Remember that the roles should be muttasil. حدثنا محمد قال أخبرنا عبدة عن يحيى بن سعيد الأنصاري عن عمرة عن عائشة قالت كان رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يصلي من الليل في حجرته. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to pray his night prayer in his hujra. Now what does he mean by his hujra? Remember that there were these hujrat of his wives, but the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم also had a hujra which was attached to the masjid, which was not the hujra of his wife. And this is perhaps where he stayed when he was injured and when he had also uh, sworn an oath that he was not going to go to any of his wives for a whole month. Okay, so his hujra. Because the description of this hujra is different. Over here we see, وَجِدَارُ الْحُجْرَةِ قَصِيرٌ And the wall of the hujra was very short. فَرَأَى النَّاسُ الشَّخْصَ النَّبِيُّ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ وَسَلَّمُ So the people could see the shakhs, meaning the body of the Prophet So what does it mean? That the wall was very short. It wasn't that high. So if it was like that, you think Aisha would be living over there? Not possible, right? So this was a different hujrah. So sometimes the Prophet ﷺ would go there and perform his night prayer. So one night, and this was in the night of Ramadan, what happened? The Prophet ﷺ was performing his salah, and the people saw him. فَقَامَ أُنَاسٌ So the people also stood, يُصَلُّونَ بِصَلَاتِهِ In order to join him. فَأَصْبَحُوا So in the morning they... They were talking about that, that how much they enjoyed. And if two or three people are talking about this, that they prayed behind the Prophet ﷺ, you can imagine that the rest of the people, how envious they would be. So, فَقَامَ لَيْلَةَ On the second night, the Prophet ﷺ, again in the month of Ramadan, he was standing in prayer in his hujra. فَقَامَ مَعْهُ أُنَاسٌ يُصَلُّونَ بِصَلَاتِ Again, people came and stood behind him. صَنَعُوا ذَلِكَ لَيْلَتَيْنِ أَوْ ثَلَاثَةَ This happened for two or three nights. حَتَّى إِذَا كَانَ بَعْدَ ذلك, after this, what happened? جَلَسَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وسلم فَلَمْ يخرج. He sat and he did not come out. Meaning, he did not, uh, he did not let himself be visible. Uh, Allahu a'lam, whether he was sitting in the salah, whatever it, it means. But basically we see that the Prophet ﷺ did not let the people know that he was praying. فَلَمَّا أَصْبَحَ ذَكَرَ ذَلِكَ النَّاسِ In the morning the people mentioned this, that what happened? فَقَالَ So he said, إِنِّي خَشِيتُ I was afraid and took the alaykum salatul layl that the night prayer would be made mandatory for you. This is why I did not come out. Now we see here that the Prophet ﷺ is in his hujra. There is a wall, and the people are standing in the masjid, following him. So there can be a wall, there can be a barrier. But remember, as long as people can see the imam, they can hear the imam. It's a flow, okay? It's muttasil. It looks like a congregation, a jama'ah. It's permissible. Bab Salatil Layl, the night prayer. So, performing the night prayer in Jama'ah. Remember, these abwab are all related to Jama'ah. Haddathana Ibrahim ibn al-Munzir, qala haddathana ibn Abi Fudayk, qala haddathana ibn Abi Dhi'bin, an al-Maqburiyy, an Abi Salamata, ibn Abdul Rahman, an Aisha radiyallahu anha, anna nabiya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, kana lahu hasirun. He used to have a hasir. What is a hasir? A mat. And it's a mat uh, that is made from dead palm leaves. And remember that if it's made from date palm leaves, first of all, it would be beautiful. Secondly, it would also be soft. And it would also be cool in the summer. And it would be insulating in winter. Okay? So it's good in all weather. So he used to have a hasid. He used to have this kind of a mat. What would he do with it? يَبْسُطُهُ بِالنَّهَارِ He would spread it out during the day. So he would use it in order to sit on. Because it's also somewhat soft. وَيَحْتَجِرُهُ بِاللَّيْلِ And he would use it as a screen in the night. يَحْتَجِرُ Remember حِجْرًا مَحْجُورًا Barrier. So he would use it as a screen in the night. 
But what happened? فَثَابَ إِلَيْهِ نَاسٌ One night the Prophet ﷺ, he had the screen, okay, his mat hanging as a screen, and he was praying, and the people heard him. They knew he was praying. So what happened? They gathered to him. فَصَلُّوا وَرَاءَهُ And they prayed behind him. So again, there is a barrier here, but still the jamara is valid. And also we see that it's the night prayer. It's not fault. It's nafil. And jamara is being established. So in the month of Ramadan, when you go for Qiyamul Layl or Taraweeh, remember it is permissible. It is not a bid'ah. حدثنا عبد الأعلب ابن حماد قال حدثنا مهيب قال حدثنا موسى بن عقبة عن سالم أبي النضر عن بسر بن سعيد عن زيد بن ثابت أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم اتخذ حجرة The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم he took a حجرة meaning a room for himself قال حسبت أنه قال من حصير في رمضان فصلى فيها ليالي He said, Sa'id said, I think that he said it was made out of a straw mat. Uh, sorry, hujratan over here doesn't mean just a room, but also a barrier. And that barrier, that screen was made of a straw mat, as we learned earlier. And this was when? In the month of Ramadan. فَصَلَّى فِيهَا لَيَالِي And then he prayed in that room behind that screen for several nights, during the nights. فَصَلَّى بِصَلَاتِهِ نَاسٌ مِنْ أَصْحَابِهِ When the people heard him, they also prayed behind him. فَلَمَّا عَلِمَ بِهِمْ جَعَلَ يَقْعُدُ When he found out that this is what people are doing, he began sitting. فَخَرَجَ إِلَيْهِمْ Then he came out to them. فَقَالَ Then he said, قَدْ عَرَفْتُ الَّذِي رَأَيْتُ مِنْ صَنِيعِكُمْ I understand what you were doing. فَصَلُّوا أَيُّهَا النَّاسُ فِي بُيُوتِكُمْ But all oh people pray in your houses. فَإِنَّ أَفْضَلَ الصَّلَاةِ صَلَاةُ الْمَرْءِ فِي بَيْتِهِ the one that he prays in his house, except the maktubah, the obligatory. قال عفانو حدثنا وهيبن حدثنا موسى سمعت أبا النضري عن بسرن عن زيدن عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم. Now we see that again, voluntary prayer being performed in Jamaa. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم didn't really encourage that much. Why? Because if he started, if he continued it, it would become mandatory on the people. Also, one thing we notice here: the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم is praying, and he didn't know initially that people are praying behind him. So this is also permissible. That a man is praying and he doesn't have the intention of being imam. And the people are praying behind him. No harm in that. Okay? It's also not necessary to see the imam as long as you can hear the imam. Also we see that in this hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, Oh people, pray in your houses because the best prayer is which one? In the house. Except the maktubah. Fard salah, it is best to pray in jama'ah in the masjid. And this is obviously for the men. But voluntary prayers, it is best to perform them where? In the privacy of your home, in the comfort of your home. Why? So that you can concentrate better. And you see it's a voluntary good deed. And voluntary good deeds should be performed secretly. Right? In tubdu sadaqat fani'immahi wa in tukhfuha wa tu'tuha al-fuqara wa khayrun lakum. Right? That is better. Hidden zakat, fard, Given openly, very good. But charity, given secretly, is better. Because it's voluntary. And you see, when you're praying in your own house, then it's up to you. How long, how short. You want to cry, you want to take a break, you want to do qira'ah, you want to read an ayah over and over again. You can relax and pray. But when you're around people, you're conscious, you want to cry, but you force yourself to stop, it's it's very uncomfortable. So this doesn't mean that you don't pray Uh, Taraweeh and Qiyamul in the masjid at all. Go ahead and do that, but also pray 
yourself. And for those people who are not able to go to the masjid in the month of Ramadan especially, due to motherhood or whatever reason, remember this hadith. Remember this hadith. And take advantage of your time at home. And remember, and you will perhaps enjoy that salah more than the salah that you can pray in the masjid. So many rulings. And this is just for Jama'ah. Now the next chapters, with this alhamdulillah, we have completed the abwab about Salatul Jama'ah. And the next ones are about Sifatul Salah, the description of the prayer. So this was just about the Salah, and then how to perform the Salah will come later. Alhamdulillah. Yes. Uh, it's okay as long as you're able to do it. Because what happens sometimes is that when we are at home, we become lazy. So if you find yourself becoming lazy at home, then go to the masjid. It's better. Yes, so even that is better. Qiyam will be longer. Uh, sometimes what happens is because it's late, after two nafal you're sitting and you fall asleep. Right? So obviously when you go to the masjid, consistency, alhamdulillah, you're able to achieve a target. But if ever you are in a situation where you're not able to go, then don't pity yourself and don't deprive yourself. Remember this hadith. And be more encouraged to perform salah at home. Inshallah. So with this, alhamdulillah, we conclude our bab. Okay. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.